Welcome to the Raw Food Health Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Salmon, Certified Holistic Health Coach and author of You Can Afford to Be Healthy. And this podcast looks at a holistic approach to health from a multi-generational and multinational perspective of women of color. It's Stress Awareness Month. And so for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to be looking at, or the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at um, stress and um, anxiety and things that we could do personally to mitigate that, um, especially after, you know, the very stressful year of 2020 that we all experienced here, at least in the States. Um, but I think globally, you know, there's there was a lot of stress. I mean, just with the COVID-19 pandemic and on top of that, uh, racial and political tensions and, and all of that. Um, there's some information on the blog, so make sure to navigate over to the show notes on, um, on how to um, overcome stress and anxiety, like some natural techniques. And we're gonna go into it a little bit today but there was this article that I, I want to talk about on BBC that talked about um, this doctor whose retina completely dislodged from his from his eye. Um, it detached because of stress, which you is so get, scary. Yeah, you can also get a stroke from it. Like you can go blind because mm -hmm. of stress. And we had someone in our family that had a similar situation with temporary blindness um, Bleeding. Bleeding because eye. of trauma, you know, um, emotional trauma. So I, I just kind of like wanted to put a pin in that for folks. Like, you know, I think that, you know, some of the techniques that folks talk about with self-care and me included, meditation, prayer, doing less, you know, like taking a step back and just um, pausing where you are, being grateful for all that you've accomplished and not trying to force yourself to do more, be more, all of this. The, this is where it can actually lead, you know, when, when life gets so crazy that it could be a lifetime movie network, like movie or something, you know? Um, it's okay to just kind of sit and pause and just go into prayer, go into meditation and be with yourself and try to be peace, you know, because if you lean into that stress, you can go blind. Okay. Can I say something? Yeah. Ecclesiastic three, state on those things. There is a time in life for everything. Okay, so we go to a funeral today. It's a time to die. Somebody die. But when we come back home, it's a time to live. When someone die, they're only gone, you know, we know that we, we should have an idea of that person's life is. So we know that the person is only gone from this physical body. But they only die, one, Christians only die one time. Your child of God, you only die once. You don't have a second death. So we just miss that person physically. So that's that, 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 because we've been through it, Sam. We have a lot of loss. I got a lot of loss, but I'm over the loss because the more that you meditate, you realize that these people are not gone. They're just physically not here. Mm -hmm. 
And that sometimes can eliminate some of the stress. I think we stress over things that we cannot fix. Yes. Sometimes we, we stressing over other people and the things they say, the things they do, what we expected them to do and be like, and they don't turn out to be what we expect. And that, that's been part of my journey is coming to the awareness that I cannot change other people. And no. that's fine. God, God loved. And so therefore he gave us all free will, which yes. gives us the choice. We choose the road that we are supposed to go down. Right. And so right. it's not for me to change that person, to change that person's path, but instead to just sit in peace and in love and love unconditionally. And that in itself is a meditative practice. You know, yes. when, when you sit in that, you can't get stressed over oh, this person, you know, because you realize it's not up to you. It's not there's up a, to you. There is a book I bought once for the house. I didn't buy it for myself. I buy it so that everybody could see. And it's called <laughs> Don't Stress the Small Stuff. So everybody walking, they could pick up that book and read it. And I think sometimes we stress our things over things that we cannot fix. Only God can fix it. Yeah. So when you find something that becomes stressful to you, get down on your knees and give it to God. He can take care of it. Yes. Yeah, we're not supposed to stress this amount. Because I told you the other day that I um, I was, uh, I felt like I had anxiety. I didn't have no anxiety. I just need to go pray and get some moment with God, a little more time. And I, I have this happy spirit because when I look back and see how much God has been so good to us. I mean, look at COVID-19. Mm -hmm. We lost a few people, but as I said, we didn't lose them. We only, they're gone physically from our body. But we have so much to be thankful for because these people have blessed our lives so much while they were alive. And that's what's important. The people that you meet today, it's yeah. nice to up the phone and call somebody. You feel very stressed out, call someone. There's somebody on the other line who can give you some encouragement. Don't isolate yourself from people. And you know, that's great advice for the extroverts. I'm going to talk now for the introverts. <laughs> because when, when I'm stressed talking to others, um, and two, it, it really depends on who you're talking to, right? Because there are certain people, and you know them, that will stress you out. Because when you talk to them, um, they want you to be a certain way. They're expecting a certain kind of energy from you. And if you're stressed out, you may not have that. You may not have a happy demeanor or energetic demeanor. And so talking to those people actually takes more than it gives. And so you don't want to talk to those people, but having someone who can that you can talk to that can just hold space without expecting anything, without any judgment, without trying to fix anything, but just to listen. And that's literally what a therapist does. And that's why it's really great to have to like, if you can, if you have insurance, you know, even the Affordable Care Act, which I believe is still, you know, in operation, talk. you can, you can get therapy. I and don't charge. You don't charge. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's people in your life that you could call though. There is, you have, you have friends in your life. You have people in your life that you can call and talk to them and they uplift your spirit. I have them in my family. I have people who are very uplifting in my spirit. 
you know, I mean, I can't call him out. I don't really care. I'm going to call his name to Trevor. My brother, Trevor, mm -hmm. you never call him and you have a down spirit. I never talked to him with a down spirit, you know, so there's people in your life. There's family members that you could call and uplift your spirit. And if you don't have those or you just don't feel like you have family members who make you feel better, because I know people who have family members who make them feel worse. And obviously, you're not going to want to talk to those people. But for me personally, as an introvert, I really like to do self-reflection and, and, and see. So like when I'm, when I'm anxious and stressed out, I like to journal to, to figure out, and I coach myself through it. What is the trigger? What brought me to this place of emotional discomfort? Why and why did it bother me like this? So this conversation happened. Why did that conversation bother me? What was said and why was that so triggering? And then once I get to the root of the problem, then I can kind of look back and say, well, is this still true? So maybe this is, this is touching a sore point from my past, from my childhood or whatever. Is this still true? What can I do to make myself feel better in this moment? You know what I'm saying? What can I do to um, build up my emotional intelligence so I am not uh, triggered or you know moved emotionally any type of way should this experience happen again? You know, because I find that with all the challenges I've had in my life, they've been spiritual lessons from God. Like once I learn the lesson, I don't have that issue anymore, but I will keep having the issue until I learn the lesson because it's there to teach me something. And so that's why when I go through this exercise, it's always to figure out what is the root and how can I resolve it within myself so I don't come back to this place again. You can let it go and let God. You know that song? Whenever you feel that way, just um, put on that song. Let go and let God have his way. And mm -hmm. it, because whatever it is bothering you, you have to give it to the Lord because only he can fix it. Whatever happened in the past, there's nothing we can do to make it not happen. It happened already. Yes. So we, we have to either walk away from it, let it go. Don't go back there. You know, mm -hmm. so you just let it go and let God have his way let go and let God. And I find that too, we don't want to, um, to swallow hurt and pain and just push it down. We need to release it. So if that means crying, yelling, dancing, exercising, vigorous, you have to release that energy somehow. So it Scream. doesn't fester. Just yes. Scream. Yeah, Sometimes screaming. screaming. Remember, we was on a call one time and I had to do a loud scream and it scared some people in the house, but I had to do it for myself, you know, like I had, and then after that, I had to explain to other people why I did that, you know, but, um, but it was for me and for my own health, I had to release it. Oh yeah. Well, you know, um, when you give something to God, if you get on any airframe, you give, give it to the Lord and you get back up. You shouldn't take it back with you because he's thinking, no, wait, she don't think I can handle this. Why is she carrying it back? Yeah. I thought it to me, you know, remember, remember, you know, God, you go in your little closet and you pray. God is your friend. He's your father. He's your everything. He's the person you go to with your little secret because he made you in secret, you know, to deal with you. So, mm -hmm. you know, you go to him and 
Sam, trust me, trust your mother. There's a lot of things happened in my past that sometimes when people remind me, I say, oh, old was I? Because <laughs> I can't remember it. So the BBC article has this really interesting, and of course, go to the link in the show notes to this episode so you can read this article. But there's this line that's in the, here. That's, that's the one in strip? Yes, the one that I sent you. Um, it has this line in here that says, the evolving nature of work demands less from the body and more from the mind, meaning the mind is becoming a greater victim of occupational hazards. And I thought this was really, really interesting because like you were a, um, a hair a hairstylist, right? So you yes. did hair and you were on your feet for long hours. So you're talking about neck issues, uh, carpal tunnel issues, right? Uh, issues with your feet. You had to stand on um, fatigue mats and things like this, right? So you're talking about physical pain from and, and, and discomfort and maybe even um, like adjustments to your posture and things like this because of the type of job that you had. I know we have, we have folks in the family, uh, you know, on my other, you probably, you don't probably know them, but they're on the other side of the family who have worked as iron welders and mm. have, um, are now dealing with Parkinson's and heavy metal toxicity and things like this um, because of the job, you know, it's just the nature of the job when you're working in this, these are some of the hazards that can come from it. Now, when you work in the office and you're on a computer up to 80 hours a week, I heard for some companies, depending on what the, which is crazy. I tried to do the math. How many hours a day are people working, you know, to do 80 hours a week? Um, but, but that's the thing for some of these top consulting firms, you know, the occupational hazard is EMF radiation, first of all, but then also the stress that comes because there's a lot of, um, different um stressors that are that are coming from being on these computers plus the actual work that we have to do and the expectations people have of us either the clients have the expectations or the boss or the coworker has these expectations and so there's many different levels of stress and so what happens is you know, you have people so stressed out that they end up just completely leaving the workforce, which is what we see with black women, um, mm -hmm. because of all of the different stressors. Plus they have to come home and deal with kids and all this stuff, which is just a whole other kind of stress. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you, some people literally lose their minds in I this know. type of environment, if right? They're not strong mentally though, if they're not strong mentally, because I think when I, I think what made me happy when I was working is when I come home and I see my kids. I get happy. I didn't want to lose my mind then. But then again, it's a different time we're living in. I, I didn't have to deal with any computer and so, but my job was stressful too, you know? <laughs> my, job, my job was stressful, but I, I dealt with it, you know? Yeah. Well, they do, they were shown, there was some article, I don't have it referenced here, but I just saw it in passing on LinkedIn that said something like how um, folks 50 and older, I think it was 50 and older, have more mental resiliency or something like that than young people, something like that. And um, <clears throat> it makes sense because, you know, 
we're going through a lot of new stuff right now. Everybody's going through new, but at the same time, you know, you know what caused that? I'm not, not to cut you, but you are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not to so, cut you but i'm about to cut you <laughs> if it is this generation is locking of physical activities trust yeah, me that's true what you do <laughs> in the day is so admirable sam it's not many people do that what i so, do what you do you take time to walk that eliminates stress you understand like the rest of your your half a day shouldn't be too stressful because you you walk you know you get that physical activity in and that's very important yeah we have to we have to really be mindful of that that even though technology has advanced civilization has advanced you know our body is still running on this old mechanism where we actually have to move our bodies in order for it to function properly and so when you bring up exercise this is a critical point to mental health and well-being and for folks who work in an office environment or, or work on the computer it's really i think for most of us that do that i myself also work on the computer um have to make it a point to take time out for ourselves to get in that movement, you know, whether it be a lunch break exercise like capoeira or something, you know, or some boxing exercise or just walking, running, dancing, whatever it is that you like to do, just having that physical activity. But like I said, um, I really love journaling. And on top of that, I have done um, a lot of work because, you know, I'm looking at things through a health and wellness lens, right? And from what we know, you know, folks can live to 120 if we do it right. You know what I'm saying? So that's my goal. And I plan to do it without pain and struggle, right? Like naturally without pain and struggle. So that's my personal plan. You have to start young and you start at a good age and anybody listening and you know, that's will be very, very, very beneficial to them. Start young start young but it's never too late because you it's told me you had someone in your church a hundred what was it, 118 or 117 in my church yeah that just passed away recently no, was, i sent it to you but it was my church it was she was living where was she living she's from jamaica oh that makes yes. sense <laughs> i was like because because when i did the math she's older than even um on Vi, yeah. And she's, and she's, yeah. She was born 1903. Was it 1903? Vi was born 1917. Yeah. So your person was born 1903? That's a hundred. Yeah. That's 118. Yeah. So yeah. that sounds right. 118. So she was just two years shy, but it makes sense. She was in Jamaica. So it's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's many different elements to this longevity, you know, recipe, right? And so one of the things, one of the tools that I use, and if you're interested in this and you want to make, uh, you know, self-care a consistent practice, I do have a program that's very affordable called Self-Care Salon, Self-Care for Less Stress. And the link for that is in the show notes. But I journal and I think about, let's do this self-reflection, okay. When I'm on my non-working days, how do I feel? 
And how does that feel different from my working days, right? So I'm assuming for you, I know for me on my non-working days, when I completely shut off, which I had to get to a point where I was even comfortable shutting off, like, you know, because you get, when you're used to working all the time, it's hard to turn that off. But once you get to the point where you could completely shut off and you compare your work days and your non-working days and how you feel, for me, I felt better my non-working days emotionally compared to my working days. And so I just tried to strategize, how can I bring that feeling of the non-working days into the work week, you know, so I can, can keep, I can keep this consistency of happiness and enjoyment throughout the week. I have the answer. Your job is just a job. It's not your life. That's the answer. While you're doing your job, and I, that you something to me while I'm working. You work because you have to. You need, you need means of living. And, mm -hmm. and you know, by, your, by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. Nobody live without their work. You have to work. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. So think of it as a job, but it's not your life. Because if you lose that job, yes, you have to work. You'll get another one. But there is no job in this world that worth my life. Mm -hmm. It's just a job. Something happened to you tomorrow, they get somebody else and replace you. Yeah. I know I was recently having a conversation with some folks in the mm -hmm. animal rights community. And, you know, they're dealing with a lot of stress and trauma from, um, you know, they go to vigils where, you know, because they, they go to these factory farms where animals are being slaughtered and they'll hold vigils for these animals that have been killed. And it, it emotionally affects them. And then even in these vigils, they have witnessed their friends get killed by truckers and different drivers on the road, you know? Um, on top of that, the black community within that is also dealing with racial trauma and like some of this stuff that you see which is you know part of the reason why i feel like i can't even watch a lot of this stuff it just it triggers the one yeah yeah it triggers um these f visions and feelings and emotions in me and just how like you know black people were treated in this country at one point and not even just this country but everywhere where slavery existed and in the west indies it was the worst um, and you know, that, that just seeing that it's just very traumatic to see just life, just, you know, unnecessarily taken like this. And of mm. course their work is to advance some kind of, um, understanding globally that we actually don't need to kill animals in order for us to survive. And actually it is healthier for us and the environment for us not to, you know, kill these animals. Not only that, but, you know, we've even talked on the show about Dr. Greger, he's written books, how to survive a pandemic is a really good one about how, you know, eating animals actually puts you more at risk for, um, diseases how how not to die but how to survive a pandemic he talks about you know the bacteria 
that, you know, just from cooking, and we've even, even talked about it on the podcast when we were talking about wooden versus stainless steel utensils and like the hygiene. And the only reason why this comes into play is because flesh has a lot of, you know, bacteria and things that can make you sick and literally you can die. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And to me, it, it almost seems kind of karmic the way God is working with this because you don't have that same level of risk eating broccoli or a mango, you know what I'm saying? But to eat another life, you know, you, and it's, and there's an actual story in the Bible about this in the old Testament, but we won't even go into that. But oh. anyway, so they have this stress because they want so bad to bring about this world where we're not inflicting pain on other beings. Um, but the work you know, doing the work is very stressful and burdensome What all this stuff that it's triggering. And so when you're in that type of situation, you know, my thing is I also have a mission, right? With rawfoodmealplanner.com, I want to eradicate type two diabetes in this country. And I know it is not only up to me. There's so many people in this movement that is bringing us to that conclusion. And I know that God is working through all of them. And so eventually we will get there. That has brought me peace. You know, when you say you, you talk to God and you go to God, cause God is your, all of this stuff, what you were saying earlier, God has already created the blueprint. I'm a tool in this whole thing. Right. And so the only thing I have control over is what I'm doing in this moment and understanding that I'm already playing my position. I don't need to have my foot on the gas all the time and burn myself out. That's not yeah. my role to play, you exactly. know? And so he had, because he has, you know, um, gathered all these people globally to move the ball forward to get us there. And I can see that with, with my eyes, with my own two eyes, all these people in the game. And there, I know there's 10, 20 times more people behind them that I'm not even seeing that is right. moving this vision forward. It's not only up to me and I can rest in the collective knowing that this mission will manifest. I just need to continue my affirmative prayer, which is prayer that, that speaks to the vision that I know we will have in this world. And I may not see it in my lifetime, but the work I'm doing is for the next generation. Just like right now, I'm living my ancestors' dreams. Exactly. Harriet Tubman never got to see Black mm -hmm. women not only, you know, graduate university at such high rates, but also be in elected officials at such high numbers as we're seeing right now. So, but her work is not in vain. You know, all of what happened had to happen for us to get here. Exactly. You know? exactly. What was that lady who was sitting in the back, back of the bus? Um, Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks didn't live to see that they have a black driver now, black drivers driving the bus, carrying all kind of people. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yes, we have, to, we have to lift our ancestors up every day, give God thanks for them. Because without them, oh my God. Yeah. A lot of things would not be possible. Yes, but we're, we're lifting up our ancestors and praying for that yeah. next generation, you know, right. praying for the for the world that we actually want them to live in. We all have a purpose here and we have to fulfill it. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I also wanted to mention some other stressful situations because we've talked about a few in this conversation. 
One of them um, that this article brought up that I thought was so interesting was the fact that they've done a study and it actually shows that when, when folks are doing public speaking, they see inflammation happening in the body. So you can tell <laughs> this like the stress is happening and it's creating inflammation. And I find that so interesting because this, the, the, the public speaking thing, which is a universal thing, it's, it seems to be like a universal uh, human, one of those things you, like you would call the human condition where uh, we're afraid of public speaking. And where does that come from? That comes from fear of other people, judgment, expectation. Judgment. Judgment is one of the worst things. And I tell you something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about me. Yeah. The first time, I, and I'm per, a person who pray all the time, but I pray to God. And you know this, God tell you, you must come as you are. You know, you know what, no intellect. He doesn't want any intellect. <laughs> so the first time I was called upon to pray publicly, other than coming from where I'm coming from in Jamaica, because I started to pray from when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, or 14, or 15, I was teaching Sunday school. But I was called here to, to pray publicly as an adult person in the Bible study class. Sam, I could hear my heart coming through my mouth. At one point, I didn't think my, my, my tongue was lifting up. I thought it was my heart. And it's only because of the class that everybody has to be so proper they're so intellectual they talk about the colleges they go to the university and that is what damaging society today <laughs> people they don't allow people to be themselves and let god yeah. lift them up you know because he said those that humble yourself should be exalted would be exalted and, and god will exalt you mm -hmm. so it's when i get older and deeper in the study i realized now that i could even go up there to the white house and stand and make a speech and don't worry because there's a lot of people like me you get what i'm saying yeah yeah I, it, I, I don't put down education i die for education i love educated people i love to see people educate themselves but i don't want to see people act silly who call themselves educated people Right. Because you, you can be educated and not wise. <laughs> you can be educated and stupid. Yeah. Yeah, because you're only educated in the field that you're in. And, you and learning what other people have decided is important for you to learn, right? So it's not the whole picture, you know? <laughs> I see your mother say, you could learn something very good from a fool. And what is that? How not to be a fool. I remember you said that on one of our podcast episodes and it's, it has stuck with me till today, which is why, like, you know, before 2020, I really tried to understand folks. And I think that's important. Empathy is important. And, and even when you feel like you're not getting it to take time out and sit in patience for the other person to get to a place where they can clearly articulate themselves. Right. Um, 2020 has made that difficult with uh, Trump apologists and support, you know, people that just are sounding a little bit too um, oppressive in their rhetoric, you know, <laughs> and it's like, because I've had conversations with folks like you're not understanding me, but I get to a place where it's like, 
I'm not even interested now in understanding you because you are sounding too oppressive at this point, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> but at so, I'm working, that's something that I'm praying on and working on myself because I've been reading um, Thich Nhat Hanh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he has a book called Being Peace, right? Um, which I believe the link is probably gonna be in the show notes. And he talks about this one story that was such a good story, like of this young girl who was captured by pirates and they're raped, they rape her all the time on the boat. And so she decides to jump into the water to escape this. And so she drowns herself. And he said, it's so easy to be mad at the pirate, right? And to be on the side of this young girl. Um, but then he starts to go into thinking about like the, the conditions in which the pirate was born and raised that led him to this point where he is doing these types of things. He's, he's, he's performing these types of actions and inflicting hurt and pain on other people. Like, cause at some point when you think about it, like any criminal you could think about who's done the worst of things, right? You, we've never seen a baby come out the womb with malicious intent, you know? Like we've never experienced, and of course you can't see intent, but I've never seen, I've never seen a baby like just be completely wicked on purpose, you know? <laughs> and so stuff happens to children, especially in their small formative years where they, a, a something snaps or clicks or switches is where they just enter on this path where it, they become basically the villain in their life, in this life story, you know? And, you know, as he's discussing, he's like, you know, it, anyway, his book, read the book, but it led me on this whole mental journey of, you know, instead of being against, which is something I've talked about before, instead of fighting to be against something, just fight for what you support. And so, you know, in this situation, it would look like, you know, investigating the root problem of what creates pirates right? Like, why is he a pirate? Pirates are essentially thieves on the sea, right? So why do people steal? You know, is it is it the conditions in which they're born? Is it poverty? Some people will blame the victim and be like, oh, you know, you can't blame poverty for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I understand that. At the same time, being mad has not gotten us anywhere, right? Because I've even heard there's this uh, vegan influencer named Birdo, and he was talking about how he was so poor, he actually thought of stealing an iPod from someone, but he talked to one of his friends about it. And this friend in particular was caught up in some really bad stuff, but the friend told him, you don't wanna do that, it's not worth it. And so he did it, but had he, had he done it his whole life, you know, and this is a black man, it's a young black man who's vegan. And I forgot where he said he was from, Baltimore, where some inner city. And if he had done this one thing, his whole life path could have been so different, you know? But uh, what created even the thought, yes, right? Because some people would be around a person like his friend who decided to do the thing, not necessarily because they hate people, but because they feel like they're between a rock and a hard place, you know? And what choices do they have? 
a lot of things are genetic, Sam. Like it's it's a genetic genetic thing. So when you find out that um, when you find out that in my family we have alcoholic people. I have alcoholic uncle uncles, and from we were very young, we knew that was genetic because my mom told us. But she worked herself with her children to make sure none of them become alcoholic. It doesn't mean that they don't drink, you know, social drinking, but they are not alcoholic. So you have to find out what's genetic. And you people think because certain things are genetic, you can't stop it. Yes, you can. Poverty is something you can stop also. If a man come to you and he wants $20 today and you could find that man a job and you get him a job, you are taking him out of poverty. Because what can $20 do for him today? Tomorrow he's going to need another 20 But he have, if he have a job, he won't be asking for money. So things can be taken care of at a very young stage in life. You have a child and you know that the child is, is, is father is, is an alcoholic. You're going to start teaching a child from their young. And that child should know the difference between good and bad. And they'll know what to choose in life. Yeah, and I would tell that child that the research shows there is no safe amount of alcohol. There's no social drinking, casual social drink. drink. There's no but, safe amount. You know? Because the social drinking can lead into bad health condition. Yes. Right. But um, when I talk about alcoholic, I'm talking about somebody who get up in the morning and instead of they have a cup of warm water, they have a cup of alcohol. Yeah put it in a cup like they have in a cup of tea. That's the kind of alcoholic situation I'm talking about. Now that is bad. And if you don't nip it when they're young, it's become a generational thing. So yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough because um, I remember watching this video of this young boy that lived in Cabrini Green when it existed in Chicago. I don't know if you know Cabrini Green. You familiar? No. So this was a place where you there were snipers on roofs shooting at people. Like it was just, even police at one point didn't want to come in there because it was just so, it was like the Chirac basically, you know? Um, and this little boy, they had interviewed him. I don't know if it was 2020 or 60 Minutes or like one of those types of shows as a young child. And he said he would never get caught up in the drugs and the gangs in that neighborhood. But 20 years later, he was, I think it, he was killed or something because he was involved, you know? And it was, it's really sad to see because obviously like, I think when they had um, interviewed him in the special, he was probably like eight or seven or something like that. He knew what was going on. He knew he didn't want to be a part of it. But apparently when the cameras were gone, at some point it was hard for him to escape. And we have documentation from institutions, research studies that show, you know, children that are born and raised in these situations, they rarely get out, right? And so when you look at it from a holistic perspective, it's like, how do we heal, you know, communities to make it more safe you do that by doing like what you said 
bring opportunities to these communities, right? Invest in these communities. So when you have more opportunities for the children, for the adults, you have less crime, you have less opportunities for folks to think that, you know, drugs and gangs are their only option in order to live and survive. And we have to raise the minimum wage. Like we need a living wage for folks. Exactly. So um, all of this is looking at things holistically. We can look at things holistically for the community and for ourselves and for our family. Everything starts from within us, right? We start from ourselves, then our family, then the community. We have to speak to our Congress people of the changes that we want to make because they are, they are the voices for us. You know, this garden and stuff that people supposed to plant. And that's another thing. People need to get back to gardening. You have, you have um, states in this country that have good weather right through, you know, people need to get back, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're, they're doing it in, in cold weather climates too. Exactly. Um, how they're doing that, I don't know, but I've seen it done. And, and that's a good way to exercise. It's a good way to exercise and also to calm the mind and to do grounding. The last episode, um, I talked a lot about that on the blog in the show notes. So if you link to that, if you go to that page, um, it was the interview with Marcus yes. of Cargo yes. Fitness. And I wrote a whole um, thing about the benefits of grounding. When you have your hands in the soil like this, you know, it does something. It, it, it calms your whole nervous system down. Yeah, well, I was reading something once where they tell you that if you walk outside barefoot, and I'm not talking in the cities here, I'm talking where you have green grass and ground, there is a certain element that comes from the ground that's good for your body. But you cannot walk barefoot in New York. I don't think nowhere in New York, because it's all chemicals that's going to go up in your body. So, um, You can go to the beach. New York has beaches. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, New York have beaches, but it, you better stay on the sand. 